Hello and welcome to the Lights Out F1 podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lights Out race review for the Brazilian Grand Prix, or Sao Paulo as it is now known. It was a fantastic race, one of the most exciting of recent weeks. We haven't had a really dramatic race, particularly between the top two protagonists of the championship, namely Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, pretty much up until Italy, where they last collided. And I think it's really interesting that maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's not, but this season, the two races where the title contenders have crashed have been on sprint race weekends in Silverstone at the British Grand Prix and in Italy. Now, they came very close to colliding again uh, in, in the race, about 15 laps from the end, I think it was on lap 58, with Lewis Hamilton winning the race after a pretty gruelling set of penalties over the weekend and it seemed as though every single time he succeeded he was pushed back which goes against the sort of the the fans view that the stewards are working almost for Lewis Hamilton and he never gets he never gets penalties and uh, is dealt with a lot less harshly than the other drivers now I'm going to dive in straight to my three points for the weekend. My first is Mercedes' turn of pace compared to Red Bull. Now, in recent weeks, especially at the opening race of the triple header in Mexico, Red Bull were miles clear in terms of performance. It looked like in the practice sessions. And when it came to qualifying, we were all expecting a front row lockout, but not of the kind that we saw uh, with Mercedes locking out the front row. Now, yes, Max did come back uh, to, to win the race, and Red Bull did secure a double podium. But this weekend, if you went by history, it should have been another Red Bull track, particularly in qualifying. Max would have been on pole, uh, here last uh, or a few ra- uh, yeah last time we were in uh, Brazil for the race in 2019, but he agreed uh, to have been uh, to have sped uh, in in double waved yellow flags. So his lap time then got investigated and he was disqualified. But Red Bull have been really strong in previous years, and Max still recovered after five plays grid penalty to win that race. So it shows how competitive Red Bull are at this track. Now, throughout the practice sessions, if we look at the first practice session, which obviously was the first uh, of the weekend, but the first of only two, because of the sprint qualifying, we obviously miss out uh, FP3, and we only have two practice sessions. After the first one, on Friday morning, that is when part Fermi begins. So you're not allowed to significantly change the cars, apart from your brake balance and pretty much everything that's on your steering wheel. 
you're not allowed to change anything else after Park Ferme. Now, we saw in practice one that Lewis Hamilton was almost four tenths clear, three and a half tenths clear of uh, Max Verstappen. So they looked to have the upper hand, but Perez was still about a tenth clear of Valtteri Bottas. So Red Bull were still competitive. If we fast forward to the second practice session, Verstappen was uh, second with Fernando Alonso taking a shock uh, first place. But uh, he he used the highest uh, engine settings pretty much because there's no way an Alpine is eight tenths quicker than Max Verstappen, even on the soft tyres. But Lewis Hamilton in race trim was all the way down in P5 behind both of the Alpines and his teammate along with Max Verstappen. So being seven tenths or so adrift uh, in, in race trim didn't look promising, especially with the big controversy of the weekend, Lewis Hamilton being disqualified from Friday qualifying. Now, there is no grey area with this rule, as we've now seen from the ruling uh, from the FIA. If your rear wing is larger than 85 millimetres, if the gap is larger than that, when the DRS is opened, you get a penalty. And Hamilton's was. The team messed that up completely and they got their measurements wrong. And he was left at the back of the field after a very convincing first place uh, in Friday qualifying, taking a four-tenth advantage over Max Verstappen. Now, he didn't let that phase him. Obviously, that is a huge setback, especially on a weekend where you've already taken an ICE penalty, which drops you down five places on the grid. So regardless if he stormed to victory in the sprint qualifying the following day, he would still have had to start P6. Now, being all the way down at the back of the grid, most people counted him out, counted him out of the win. As, as is realistic, with Verstappen not looking too far away and given history how far, how, how much Rebel have pushed uh, Hamilton in particular and Mercedes at this track, even though their car hasn't been at the same level of performance as Mercedes. Now, going into uh, the sprint qualifying... I predicted it was going to be a similar sort of uh, opportunity for overtaking as Italy. Obviously, down to the first corner, off the back of a very, very long pit straight, you are going to get overtaking uh, opportunities, no doubt about it. But I didn't think that the DNA, uh, uh, the DRS would have as big an impact as it did. Now... I think quite a few people underestimated how quick Mercedes were this weekend. And as a result, Lewis Hamilton was able to make significant progress on the back of his grid drop down to the back of the field and finish a staggering P5 in the sprint. Now, he was able to clear not only the back markers of the Hasses and your Alfa Romeos and your Williams, which take you up to about P13. He also managed to clear 
the Aston Martin of Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel, both McLarens, both both, uh, Alpha Tauris, and both Alpines, along with Charles Leclerc. Now, Carlos Sainz uh, had a brilliant start and finished P3, but apart from him, he finished ahead of every single one of the competitive midfield teams. Now, yes, he did have a Mercedes and with a new power unit with their extremely fast uh, straight line speed, as we've seen in previous races. And no doubt about it, that did help in their overtaking. There's no way Hamilton would have able, would have been able to get past Max Verstappen uh, without having a superior straight line speed. Because most of the overtakes we saw throughout the weekend were from the Mercedes drivers. Either Bottas with his great getaway speed off the line in the sprint uh, quality, which put him ahead of of, um, Max Verstappen and enabled the Finn driver to take his third pole in four races. And it must be said, Bottas has really been stepping up the formants in recent weeks and is one of the reasons why Mercedes have been able to stick right with uh, Red Bull uh, in the in the constructors' battle, especially being on the back foot uh, in terms of race pace in the last few uh, weekends. Now, my second point for the weekend concerns the constructors' battles. Now, because Lewis Hamilton was able to get past uh, Max Verstappen and take uh, and take the win. Fantastic win, by the way. I think arguably one of his best, and it will go down as a pivotal moment in this construct in in this uh, drivers' championship, regardless of who takes the win come the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. But it must be said, now with that uh, with those results, it has swung in Mercedes' favour and. Because in the Constructors' Championship there wasn't such a huge advantage for Red Bull like there was for Max Verstappen being 19 points clear going into the weekend, Mercedes were only one point uh, ahead, so they had a very slender advantage. But because Bottas took pole and outscored Red Bull in the sprint qualifying, and uh, both uh, Mercedes first driver of Lewis Hamilton was able to beat Red Bull's first driver of Max and their second driver was able to beat Red Bull's second driver. So that now gives Mercedes an 11 point uh, gap behind to Red Bull in second place. Now I don't think that's enough to clinch the championship especially with the races left but it must be said the next few races maybe not Qatar, but the last two especially, rely on straight line speed. And that is a pivotal uh, difference in the performance of the cars, of the Rebel and the Mercedes, with uh, the the German team having a far superior straight line speed, which I think will come in handy as they try to extend that gap beyond any uh, reasonable comeback. Now, the other main battle is with Ferrari and McLaren. And as much as it pains me to say this, it looks like it's over. We have seen throughout uh, the year 
McLaren, especially at the start of the year, they looked more competitive as a package. But recently, because Ferrari have still been upgrading their power unit ahead of the 2022 spec engines, they have taken a step forward in performance, with McLaren not really upgrading at all, like most of the teams focusing on 2022, with a huge regulation change. Now, that may have tipped the tides towards Ferrari, and with the next few races, especially in Qatar, I don't see uh, McLaren swinging a fairly vast 31.5 points gap between the two teams. Now, McLaren have been uh, a lot more unlucky this season than Ferrari. Now, the main example of uh, teams being unlucky for both of these uh, constructors, for McLaren, it came in Sochi, with Lando being P1 up till the end, and it broke my heart, along with every other F1 fan. Um, and not only did he not take home his first win, but he also missed out on another podium uh, to extend uh, a, a brilliant uh, third season in the sport. And to really solidify his, uh, his, his true potential, which he's shown this season. But I think he has been really unlucky and he would have had another 15 points or so with that result. Now, Ferrari, they were unlucky in Monaco. I think that's the best example with Leclerc taking pole and them not fully checking the car ahead of Sunday's race after he uh, binned it in, in, the, in the second swimming pool uh, section, which ultimately uh, bagged him pole position from Max Verstappen. But it must be said that was his fault. The rain wasn't Lando's fault, and yes, he made the decision, along with the team, to stay out uh, and not pit for Inters, but it was Leclerc's mistake in his driving that led to uh, him not being able to start the race. However, Ferrari did still go on to take P2 in the race with Carlos Sainz. So there are swings and roundabouts with this season, but it looks like Ferrari, after all of the trials and tribulations, are going to come out on top of McLaren. Now, my third point for the weekend concerns Alpine and AlphaTauri, and I wanted to save this, uh, this Constructors' Battle until the end, because for the last two races now, both of these teams have been level on points. Last weekend, they were on 106 points. And now, with Alpine securing a double points finish, uh, with uh, Fernando Alonso taking home two points in P9 and Esteban Ocon four points in P8, that matches Pierre Gasly's six points, uh, finishing in P7 behind the two Ferraris. Now... I was listening to the radio messages as both, or as all three of the drivers came uh, across the line, and the Alpines were fairly disappointed, especially with um, Fernando Alonso, who had better race pace than his uh, his French teammate. But 
uh, he wasn't able to time his pit stop in uh, the virtual safety car as well as other midfield teams did. And so uh, he he lost time there. But he definitely could have been challenging Gasly at the end uh, for P7. Gasly was fairly contempt. He knew that the Ferraris were a step up in performance. So P7 was really the most he could do. And at the moment, he is starting to uh, to have more support from Yuki Tsunoda, but it's fairly inconsistent. So he's still uh, hauling most of the points for Alpha Tauri. And I think with the races to come, there aren't many uh, street circuits left. Qatar, yes, is a street circuit, but it's not high downforce, so it's not a typical... Uh, street circuit circuit light like track and so i think it'll be difficult for alpine uh, to uh to to lose from this stage although pierre gasly has been so good in the last season and a half um especially or last uh, sorry two and a half seasons after he was dropped from red bull uh that it will be really interesting uh, and i think arguably the best battle left uh, in uh, in the Constructors' Championship because of how close uh, the gap still is uh, being zero. <laughs> now, my driver of the day, I'm going to have to give to Lewis Hamilton. This drive will go down in the history books as one of his most successful drives. It is his first victory from 10th on the grid. It's not his uh, furthest uh, victory from the front uh, starting uh, on the grid. But it must be said, given how competitive uh, the, the entirety of the midfield has been this season and really not that far away compared to previous years uh, from the top two teams... It was a really fantastic drive, showing all of his uh, uh, experience coming through the field, but still expressing his drive that he's still got. And it is is really incredible. He's 36 years old now, which is... He's no spring chicken, especially in, uh, in, in F1. And in... Uh, recent days we've had the retirement of uh, Valentino Rossi who I don't know if you know from uh, MotoGP who is a a sporting legend uh, in uh, motorcycle racing but Lewis Hamilton's still going strong and he still has that desire and fight to win and that is honestly the most important thing which he will be deliberating in when he retires, because if he's still got that fight in inside him and that will to continue and still seek uh, the same results as he as he used to when he was much younger, and the fact that he still can achieve those is really a testament to what a fantastic driver he is. Now, with all of the setbacks that came this weekend. It shows you, yes, how powerful the Mercedes car is compared to uh, the the Red Bulls, which wasn't expected this weekend, but also how 
Hamilton is able to extract every little bit of performance from it. Valtteri Bottas has been no has been uh, not nearly as slow as he previously has been for Mercedes in recent races. But he's but Hamilton is still still miles clear in qualifying and race trim. And although Bottas does sometimes get the better of him in qualifying, there there has been an interview recently uh, uh, conducted by the F1 uh, organisation in which Bottas commented on why he hasn't been able to fully fully challenge uh, Hamilton for a driver's championship. And the reason he gave is because he is just always at the top of his game at every single track that they visit and he hardly ever has a bad weekend and I can't remember the last time he had a really poor weekend and he really just wasn't on the pace regardless of whether Red Bull were quicker at the track he just wasn't there in the end when it mattered in qualifying and in the race and he wasn't able to take P2 uh, behind Max Verstappen. My third and my last uh, my last topic for the weekend is uh, the team on top. Now, this week it was difficult to decide because I didn't want to combine uh, Hamilton and say uh, and go with uh, Mercedes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna decide on Ferrari. Now, in the last two races, they've really pulled away from McLaren, and yes, that is because they're one of the few teams left still developing their 2021 car, and whether that is a smart move come uh, 2022 spec uh, uh, race cars, we'll have to see, but they have secured with this new power unit uh, that P3 in the Constructors' Championship, which secures them a huge uh, advantage in terms of funding compared to P4. So a really impressive job uh, all round from Ferrari, and it looks like Carlos Sainz and uh, Charles Leclerc are a really good pairing. Their competitiveness is very much matched this season, and... I think it's one of the strongest uh, on the grid. So that's one of the reasons their consistency together is one of the reasons why they're taking, they will almost certainly take this uh, constructor's third place home at the end of the season. Thank you very much for listening. And next week we will have the race review for the Qatar Grand Prix, the last Uh, of this triple header and there we're down to the last two races of the year i'll see you in doha bye bye